Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, hope you've enjoyed that video, just giving some more information about the gift day. We're going to be giving into that at the end of the service this morning. So maybe while I'm speaking, you might just want to be asking God to perhaps even speak to you about how much you want to give. And you don't have to give at all. You're very welcome to, to not get involved with that. But if you do want to give, then we'd ask that you do it generously, but joyfully. We never come to give our offerings to God out of a sense that we have to, out of a sense of uh, any kind of weighty burden on us. But we want to give with faith joyfully that's the way the bible talks about giving into the kingdom of god and what i wanted to do this morning is just to take a little bit of time to step into those verses that Stu, who was talking at the start of the video was just mentioning and just consider what it means to give into the kingdom of god what it is that we're actually trying to build what we're passionate about all those guys on the screen um, maybe you enjoyed that. Maybe you were struggling to connect with them. But I just wanted to open up. What, what is it that we're passionate about doing? Um, so I'm going to read just two verses from uh, Matthew chapter 13. So if you have a Bible, feel very free to find them. If not, the words will appear on the screen behind me. And I'm um, just going to read two verses from Matthew 13. Just one of the parables of, of Jesus um, and this is just verses 31 and 32. It says, he put another parable before them. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Let me pray. Jesus, we just want to ask, um, we just want to ask Holy Spirit that you would be here this morning uh, in this room with us today that we would know you speaking to our hearts. We would know you uh, reminding us of your astonishing love for us, but also we'd know you calling us into your purposes, into your plans, that you would catch us up with the mission that you're about, that you'd call us into the people that you've sent us to be here on this earth pray that we would know that by your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm sure some of you guys have been to the Rijksmuseum, which is just across the road there. Um, but actually, that's just... The Rijksmuseum's only actually been in that building for a few hundred years, and it had a couple of other buildings around the city before it actually landed in that location. And uh, one of those buildings is called the Trippenhaus, which is just a short walk from the Neuermarkt in the centre of the city. And the Rijksmuseum was there for, I'm not quite sure how long, but about 200 years ago. And they were, about 10 years ago, they were doing some restoration on this building, uh, just refurbishing it. Um, and because it's quite an old building, their mission is to try and maintain 
and kind of bring back to life as many of the original features as they could. They're not, they, weren't not, they weren't trying to modernize the building, but take everything old and wonderful about it and bring it back to life, all the kind of intricate artwork and architecture in the building. And one of the things that the building has was lots of very beautiful ceilings, some of them with artwork on and some of them just very uh, ornately made. And some builders were, were trying to refurbish one of these bits of ceiling in a corridor and were drilling a, a small hole in it. And as they peered through this hole, they realized that uh, above this beautiful ceiling was actually another ceiling a second ceiling, the original one from about the 15th, 16th century with this beautiful picture, this beautiful piece of artwork that someone had painted on it. But it had been hidden since about the early 19th century when they put these new ceilings in. And then they suddenly had this, the, the designers who were doing this refurbishment had this dilemma of which, which ceiling do we keep? This one from about the 19th century, the one that you could see, which is beautifully designed and what they'd originally been trying to restore, or this new one that they discovered hidden away. And sometimes we can feel like that when it comes to discovering the kingdom of God. It talks about in, goes on to say in Matthew 13 that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's a beautiful way to describe how we can discover God. It's like discovering treasure hidden in a field. But perhaps for you, you feel, a, you feel like a, a tug in your heart, in your life. A tug between what your life, all your dreams and desires for your life, everything that you've planned and purposed for your life to be like. And it can sometimes feel like that's over here and the kingdom of God's somewhere over here. And you're kind of peering through this tiny hole and you're seeing something of Jesus, something of who he is, something of what he wants you to give your life for. And you're thinking, which, which treasure should I choose? all the dreams and hopes and plans I have for my life or this thing here which is faint and hidden which one should I choose but in this parable of this treasure hidden in a field I think it should be really clear to us and that's what I want to challenge you with today that the thing that you should do with your life the greatest adventure you can live is to give your life for the kingdom of God because it's treasure and it's, it's hidden away it might feel a bit mysterious Jesus talks about that as well how the kingdom of God is a bit mysterious he tells all these parables and most of the times those people who are listening don't quite understand them even today we read Jesus' parables and think what are they about but the majority of them are all about the kingdom of God this hidden thing that's where it talks about the kingdom of God being a, a pearl of great price that you'd sell everything for just to get this one gem, this one jewel. That's what it is to discover the kingdom of God. And my challenge for you today would be to consider how could you give your life, all of it, 
not just part of it, not just an aspect, not, not just Sunday mornings. But what would it mean for you to give your entire life to live for the kingdom of God? That's what many of the guys on that video were, were talking about. People that have moved to new cities, new countries, have taken great risks, huge steps of faith. And they've done that because there's a vision that has captivated them. It's not a vision of, of empire building. It's not about us just starting more and more churches so we can have this big, great organization that raises lots of money. It's not about that at all. It's, they've captured a vision of the kingdom of God and how that's extended, how that's moved out through the church, through his people. You know, in, in the book of Philippians, the apostle Paul writes that he counts everything as loss, everything as loss, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. That maybe you're here today, this morning, and you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you're just not sure. You, you think you might be. You think maybe you once were. Maybe your parents were. And you've got this faith that feels like it's been handed down to you. You don't quite know what to do with it. But it's something It's of surpassing worth to know Jesus. To discover his kingdom, his plan for your life. is to discover a pearl of great price of treasure hidden in a field. Perhaps what I'm saying might to you sound a bit kind of extremist, a bit fundamentalist, to give your entire life for this, this church thing, this Jesus thing. It might sound a bit crazy to you, but what else are you going to give your life for? What other kingdom will, will you serve? Your, your own kingdom? Another kingdom that wraps you up. Wherever you go, you'll end up serving something. And our challenge to you would be the only kingdom that will really do you any lasting good, that will really change your life, that will really be full, that where you will be treasure is the kingdom of God. So why is, it, why is it so important? Why is it so valuable? Well, this is, this is what Jesus came to do. Sometimes we think about Christianity in such personal, individual terms. That, oh, Jesus, is, he just came to, to save us. That we could be his friends. That we could know God as our father. Which is wonderfully true. But Jesus' first announcement when he began his public ministry, Jesus came and said, the kingdom of heaven is near. And he came to preach the kingdom of God. The good news of, we talk about the good news of the gospel, but most of the time Jesus talked about the good news of the kingdom of God. That there was something that Jesus, the king, was bringing in to establish. That all of this Bible, this message that it's pointing towards, right from the, the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the book, where this kingdom is lost and disrupted. And the rest of the Old, Old Testament is these promises that come again and again of a kingdom's coming. A Messiah's coming. A king is coming. This prince of peace. This mighty counsellor. A king is coming who's going to establish his rule and reign on the earth. That the kingdom of God, the best way to describe it is God's people 
in God's place, under God's reign, as a blessing to the nations. That's what the kingdom of God is. God's people, us, in his place, meaning the whole earth, under his reign to be a, a blessing to the nations. That Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven near to announce the kingdom of God so we could go and, as we've been talking about in Acts, to turn the world upside down. That's what the kingdom of God does. When it comes into your life, it just changes everything. Because it's not about just, oh, I need to, I need to behave differently now because I've met Jesus. That I, need to, I need to stop doing, I need to read more of the Bible. I need to stop doing bad things. Now, when you come to know Jesus, you're called into his family, into his people. You're called into his kingdom to then go and change everything around you. To announce the good news that Jesus has come. That he wants to breathe new life into the world. That where everything around us may seem broken and disrupted and failing, that Jesus wants to bring his newness, the newness of his kingdom. And the way that he accomplishes that is through us, through his people. It might seem a lot easier if Jesus just sort of waved some heavenly wand and everything just changed. But what Jesus has decided to do is to send us into the world. At the start of the book of Acts, which we've been reading most weeks here over the, so far this year, his disciples come to him and say, when are you going to restore the kingdom? Because that was, that was what they were concerned about. They, they read their Bibles. They knew about the kingdom of God. They knew that this kingdom was coming. And they were seeking some kind of political victory. That you're going to come and get rid of those evil Romans. That you're just going to suddenly, just this new government, this new empire is going to come. When are you going to do that? When are you going to restore the kingdom to us? And Jesus says, oh, this, isn't, this isn't a political kingdom that he's come to bring. It's a kingdom that gets worked out through his people, through the church. It's a kingdom of the spirit of God. So they say, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus almost doesn't really answer, but he says to them, wait, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit upon you. And then you're going to go and be witnesses till the ends of the earth. And we're still living that out today. Here in Amsterdam, here in this city, we're still living out that same mission that Jesus has called us to go, to take the kingdom of God into our neighborhoods, into our homes, into our hearts, into our workplaces, to change the world around us by his grace. With the church, not as an optional extra, some Christians will come and just, oh, maybe I'll go to church today. Maybe I won't. We'll see it as something we can just come and sit and be entertained or be inspired. But this community isn't, this is just one thing we do when we gather on a Sunday. But Jesus has called the church as his, this is his plan. This is his plan for blessing this city. Not just this church, but many other churches, but the church in Amsterdam, this is his plan. When you see people who are lost and broken and lonely and hurting in our city and think, what is God going to do? Well, he's answered. <laughs> he sent his son Jesus, and now he sent his spirit to live amongst his people 
to go out into the world, to seek change, to bring new life, to restore the city. See, this is what Jesus is doing right now. This is what he's up to. This is, this is his activity in the world today, is his church. In Matthew 16, he says to Peter, he says to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church, that Jesus will build his church, and he's still doing it today. He's praying for us. He's interceding before the Father right now for the people of God across the whole earth to go and make disciples, to go and change communities, to go and bring the kingdom wherever we are to the world around us. And I just want to take a few moments to look at what does that what does that look like? These churches that we've been talking about in this video where different people have gone to, this vision of planting many more churches, again, which isn't about empire building, it's to bring the kingdom of God into lots of different cities around. What does that look like? First of all, what we're doing is we're, we're planting the presence of God in this, the first parable I read at the start. Jesus said to him, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. See, the kingdom of heaven, that's what, that's what we're living in, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's another way that the writer of the book of Matthew, the other gospel writers tend to talk more about the kingdom of God, whereas Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven. It's his kind of slightly idiosyncratic, way of talking about it but he's trying to make a point to us as well that to be to step into relationship with Jesus is, is to step into something heavenly that what Jesus is trying to do right now on the earth is to bring down the kingdom of bring what life is like in heaven to give a, a taste of that now to the world around us that's why Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I pray for our city all the time, that Jesus, that your kingdom would come in our city, that your will would be done in our city, that your kingdom would come in my life and in my family, that your will would be done in Amsterdam as it is in heaven, in, in my heart as it is in heaven, in, in our church, in our people as it is in heaven and that's when we talk about planting churches in new cities it's not it's not at all about a, a kind of a corporation a franchise like just more mcdonald's it's not it's just about planting the presence of god planting the, the temple of god that's what the church is filled with the holy spirit the power of God into these cities. See, because what Jesus does when he says to Peter, I'll build my church, he uses this, this word ecclesia for church, which elsewhere in, in the New Testament, it talks about ecclesia as it's like an assembly. So in those days, ecclesia would have been any kind of assembly, any time a group of people gathered together, whereas in like a law court or, or in a, in a a gathering in a square, a gathering for some kind of organization. That was just an ecclesia. It just means gathering of people. But what Jesus is referring to, he's pointing back to the stories in, in Exodus and Deuteronomy, where God gathered his people together 
in his presence to give them his covenant. That's what Jesus is talking about. The ecclesia for Jesus is a a gathering of people in the presence of God. That's what he's commissioning Peter to go and do. And that's what the church is. Wherever it goes, it's a, a gathering of the presence of God. Jesus said to them, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. The book of Ephesians talks about the church being this temple, this living temple filled with the Spirit. You see, it's, it's the church, this is where Amsterdam meets God. This is how our city discovers the presence and power of God is in this community, in, this, in, in us. And not just in a building when they come in, but when, when they meet you in your workplace, they're, they're encountering a small taste of the kingdom of heaven. I remember once being in a, in a workplace and uh, they, they, knew, they knew I was a Christian and, uh, and one of them used to, used to swear quite a lot. He'd all, use all sorts of different colorful words. I learned quite a lot from him and his vocabulary. Lots of words I'd never heard before. And then one day, one of our other colleagues said to me, you, you can't talk like that. Matt, Matt's a Christian. You can't talk like that. And I said, oh, yeah, it's really, I really don't mind. You know, just whatever language you're... Co- I didn't want to put any pressure on him. I didn't want to be this kind of legalistic ogre in our office. But in a sense, when that sort of thing happens, it's just a very small hint of the kingdom of heaven breaking out. That's, that he might have interpreted wrongly, but that person had, had caught something. Of this. There's something different about this person. He doesn't use those words. He doesn't, he doesn't disrespect our bosses. He, he tries to faithfully do his job. They just notice something different. And I wasn't perfect in any way, but they noticed something different. That the kingdom of God had just slowly begun to... Had been a seed planted in that place, slowly beginning to burst into life. And that's what you get to be, just a tiny seed wherever you're planted. That you might bloom... And people will see the, the smallest of little shoots. They'll spot it. See, I've noticed it in my... We moved house a few years ago. and We'd been living in a, an apartment for five years just with just a, a balcony. And then suddenly we had a garden. I don't know what to do with a garden. It's just stuff growing everywhere. So originally our first task was just to... The people before were keen gardeners, so there was stuff everywhere. So we just got rid of as much as we possibly could just to sort of simplify it. But now, after a few years of having lived there, I can begin to see where, where new things, things that we've planted, or actually, we is, I mean my mother-in-law. <laughs> she came and planted some things. But now I'm beginning to see them like suddenly birth. Because I've been in that garden for three years, I can notice the smallest of things that suddenly appear. Whereas before, it was all just, it was too much. I just had to get rid of it all. Now I can just see these little seeds bind into life. And that's what you get to be. Just little seeds, little tastes of the presence of God bursting into place. See, because what we're talking about when we're talking about planting churches is we're planting 
kingdom seeds with city transforming potential you see what God God loves to do is he loves to work in small in small ways in ways that seem very humble ways that seem very weak that's what this parable is trying to tell us the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field it is the smallest of all seeds that's often how Jesus works he works through the people that, that everyone else overlooks the people that society rejects the people that don't look impressive that don't look mighty that don't look powerful the least the weakest that's often where Jesus comes and brings life oh, this, this church is a, a living example of that over the, the eight years that me and my family have been living here in Amsterdam, by the grace of God, he's birthed something really wonderful in this city that's such a joy. I so love being part of this church. I hope you do as well. But it, it started, you know, on, on day one, it was, it was just me and my family. We didn't speak any Dutch. We didn't really know where we were. We were in an apartment that we'd rented, but we didn't... You know, when you arrive in a new place and you have no idea of geography even, of am I north, south, east, west? I don't know. I just, I just, I know I'm here. We didn't know anybody. And there, there was nothing impressive about us at all. Even when we were watching those videos and talking about Janusz and Camilla in Poland and Kenny and Nicola in, in Belfast, and Malcolm and Megan in, in Bath, all three of those couples, they moved, um, all of them either a month before or a month after the, the pandemic started in March uh, two years ago. And they didn't know that. And they'd all moved with this big vision, and we're going to move to these new cities and plant a church. And then God said, great, you can do that, but you're not going to be able to see anybody for quite a long time. Uh, when it comes to planting churches, seeing people is quite important because churches are made up of people who gather together, the ecclesia. So when you can't do that, it makes it quite hard. There was the, the very, not that they not able to gather the church, but they, the same as me, they arrived in new cities not knowing anybody, being completely lonely and not being able to fix that for a really long time. And yet, as you could see on that video, in each of those cities, God scattered people by his grace. It's not because they're really strong, impressive people, although there's much about them that I really admire, but it's because of the grace of God. So often, be, being, a, being a Christian, it's not about putting a, a shield of impressiveness up. That's what we do all the time in life. We project images of, we want to impress people so we project, project all sorts of images of ourselves whereas Christianity is the complete opposite of that it really is a, about discovering and being vulnerable with those around us the theologian J.R. Packer called Christianity the way of weakness because we find our, our strength not in ourselves if you try and muster up the strength courage from within yourself eventually you all run out 
But when we come to Jesus weak and dependent upon him, that's the key. That's when he loves to move. That's when he loves to build. That's when he loves to be at work. See, in the kingdom of God, it's, it's the least that are the greatest. Jesus pointed to children and said, they're the model citizens. That's what you should be like. Kids. Because they're dependent totally upon their father. And yet what Jesus does is he takes the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. and becomes a tree so that birds of air come and make nests in his branches. You see, the church of Jesus Christ often starts small. We read the book of Acts, as we've been doing over the last six months. It's just small and a bit chaotic and a bit messy. Church is often like that. But God breathed on this story and, and as Christianity is spread all around the world, that today there are more people believing in Jesus than there ever have been in all of human history. Because the church continues to grow, continues to advance. And here at Liberty, we, we wholeheartedly believe that it's the church of Jesus Christ is, is his plan. We're so confident in the church. We're not embarrassed about it. And yes, churches have their warts and weaknesses, and we do too. If you're new to us here at Liberty, we're not the perfect church in any way, but we have a perfect saviour. And it's his plan to send his people, the church, into the world. So we're confident in that. And what he wants to do is... It says that this seed grows large and all the other plants becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Which Jesus is alluding to that this, this growth, this largeness that comes from this small seed isn't so much about numbers of people, or that's important, but it's about, about the scope, not the scale that the kingdom of God brings in people from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different ethnic groups and nationalities. That's what Jesus has always wanted to do. It wasn't about just a Jewish people, but Jesus always wanted the kingdom of God to expand far beyond that. And to begin where there's racial injustice, where there's hurt and pain, that through and in the kingdom of God, that's where healing can play, take place, where reconciliation can come. We believe in churches, churches that bring hope to cities. That's what we're passionate about. Churches that come into cities and bring hope of reconciliation, of where broken relationships can get fixed between individuals, but between whole groups of people. You know, we're, we're here in Amsterdam and we're not, we'll say this often and we don't mean to offend you, but we just want you to be clear about what sort of church we are. We're not a church for expats. We're not even really a, an international church, although we're a church full of lots of different people from all sorts of parts of the world. But we're a church for this city and we live in a very international city, so hopefully the church will always be full of lots of different people. But we're here because we, we love this city and we believe Jesus loves this city. 
You see, because there's a bit of a, a mentality that can come with being as an expat that you live in a certain place, but your primary, your primary identity will always be someone else. And you kind of just live as like a long-term tourist. And I'd encourage you to not live like that here. You don't have to be Dutch, but you can still live, you can still say, I'm an Amsterdamer, and I want to love and serve this city. I'm not going to be a tourist and just take from this city. I want to give to this city. I want to see the kingdom of God come in this city. That's what we want to do here. We want to see churches implanted in lots of different cities that do the same. See, because these birds of the air, they come and they make nests in its branches. That All these different peoples and individuals and nationalities, they, they come into this tree of the kingdom of God and they make their home there. See, we believe the church of Jesus Christ is, is a family a big global family. I love it when I'm, when I'm in a random place and I find myself talking with someone who's... And you'll just suddenly just discover, oh, you're a believer in Jesus too. And you might go for a, come from completely different church backgrounds, completely different nationalities, but all of a sudden you have a, you have a unity, you have a connection with them because you both love Jesus because we're both we're brothers and sisters in his kingdom, even if we live thousands of miles apart. But not just globally, but here in this city, this church is, we're a family. As I said before, this, what we do here for a, an hour or so on a Sunday morning is just one part of what it is to be part of the Liberty family. That we really do want to be brothers and sisters who, who look out for one another. Who when someone's in need, we, we rush in to support and help them. When someone's just struggling, whether it's with their, with their mental health or a f physical ailment that will support them, that will come alongside them. So often people will treat the church as, the church is where I come for my, for, for my kind of spiritual needs, but all my other needs, I'll, I'll go elsewhere. I'll, I'll go to a, a psychiatrist, I'll go to a doctor. All those things are wonderful. Of course we need them. I'm not saying give up on doctors. No, doctors are good. But as, as well, you can bring all of that into the, into the people of God. See, the, the kingdom of God is supposed to affect everything. It's this treasure that we give our lives for. That the gospel of Jesus Christ can bring healing to every part of your life and healing to every part of our city. And one of the ways we do that is by being a family that we love one another, that we serve one another, we encourage one another, we spur one another on with the word, that we make ourselves vulnerable with one another. Do the people you're friends with in this church, do they know, do they know what you're really like? Do they know what, what you really struggle with, what you worry about, what you fear? Maybe there's sins, there's patterns of behavior in your life that you know are, are ungodly that, that no one knows about the best way to break free from them is just to bring it into the family of God just tell someone and you'll discover that they've got struggles and pains and hurts too but as you bring it into the family you bring an opportunity for restoration 
opportunities for the grace of God to be at work. We believe in churches that are families, but we also believe in churches that it, a, a nest is somewhere that baby birds grow, but then they're, they're sent out. And we believe in a church that's sent out, that's a church that's for the renewal of different cities. A church that seeks the peace of cities, as it talks about in Jeremiah. A church that wants to see the grace of God come and transform the places that we live in. When we see need, not just in the church family and seek to solve it, but where we see need in the world around us and as a community, how can we solve that need? How can we make it that if, if we weren't here, we want our city to have noticed that? That's the difference we want to make. If you took all the Christians out of Amsterdam, that our city would say, well, hold on a second, we need them back. Perhaps we didn't necessarily like them, perhaps we didn't agree with their values, but they were serving so wholeheartedly. They brought such blessing to what they were seeking the peace of our city. And that's what Christians should do. And finally, what we're talking about is, when we're talking about planting these seeds, is we're really talking about planting Jesus and his and his grace into these different cities. This parable is, it's really all about him. That a kingdom needs a king, and that's Jesus. That Jesus was sown in weakness, that he died in weakness, despised and rejected by men. That he was just this small mustard seed planted that the Romans thought they could just the Jewish authorities thought, let's just get rid of him and then it'll all be over. We'll just crush this so-called Messiah and then we'll just get on with things. But in his resurrection, this mighty plant blooms and blossoms into this tree that Jesus has come. And our encouragement to you today would be to just come and make your nest, your home in him and his kingdom. This is the birds of the air come and they find shelter and safety, relief from the burning sun in the shade of the tree. We just encourage you to come and do that today. Come and find your peace, your home in Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Why don't you stand to your feet? Ludo and the band are going to lead us. We're not going to take communion this morning as we often do. Um, we're going to worship together and then... In a little bit, we're going to take our gift day offering. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we want to be a people that are completely caught up with you. God, we want to... God, I want to, I want to give my life for the, the kingdom of God. I want to give my life for something that will last forever. Not for my fame or significance, but for the glory of Jesus Christ believing that the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. And today I want to grasp hold of that treasure. I want to take it up in my hands and stuff it into my pockets and enjoy it. I want to grab hold of this pearl of great price and make it, make it the purpose, the goal of my life to enjoy and to know you. So that's everything else is lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing you as our Lord and Saviour. So we just want to do that right now. We want to sing and express our joy, our happiness, our delight 
in knowing you and who you are, Jesus. Thank you that you've won us, that you've called us, that you've chosen us to be part of your family, not because of anything we have done, but because of your wonderful grace towards us. Amen.